0: thought this video was about Joe Biden? You thought it was about Kamala Harris or Donald J. Trump? Sadly mistaken, ladies and gentlemen, that's not what this video is about. But I hope by the end of it, you'll understand exactly what I'm getting at. And I'm going to be giving us exactly what we need to be doing. Literally, almost a playbook that we can follow. We are going to have to use it. This is not about Joe Biden. This is not about Kamala Harris, Mike Pence, Donald Trumpzilla. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. I've got a lot of people uh, joining live. That's so good. I want you guys to know, first and foremost, that this show is going to be the precursor to another show that's happening next week, where I'm going to unveil the most unpopular opinion that you've ever heard, that you've never heard, um, up until that point. It's something I've been hanging on to. It's something I want to get out there before the election, but we have to get through this material tonight before we can understand what is to come. So without further ado, first I have to tell you there is no such thing as separation between church and state. That does not exist in the United States of America. I've done a whole show about religious freedom versus religious liberty, the history of that concept in these United States or in the Union, as I like to say, Suffice it to say, you can check that out. It's on the YouTube channel. The long and short of it is is that when Thomas Jefferson said that there was separation, a wall of separation between church and state, he never meant it to be used the way it's used today. He never meant it to be used the way Vatican Council II uses it. When he said that there was a wall of separation of church and state, he wrote it in a personal letter, a response to some Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut in 1802. And when the third president of the United States wrote that down in his letter and addressed those Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut, he told them that there was a wall of separation between the church and the state to protect the church from encroachment by the state, not the other way around. In the 1947 Everson case uh... where the supreme court used those words. This is the importance. This is the danger of proof texting for all the Protestants that are watching this. And many of them are actually. There are, there are more Protestants watching these shows than you would think. The danger of proof texting of just lifting out the words from the page without looking at the context is that you can actually get the context wrong. And in the case of 1947, the Everson case, that's exactly what the Warren Court did. They got it wrong and they said that the wall of separation to which Thomas Jefferson referred Was to protect the state from encroachment by the church. That's why the wall existed. But I'm here to tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that there is no such wall of separation between church and state. And the first piece of evidence I'm going to give you is the President of the United States himself, Donald Day Trump. Watch this video.
1: It was my great honor to help the Catholic Church with its schools. They needed hundreds of millions of dollars nationwide. And I got it for him. Nobody else. I got it for him. I hope you remember that on November 3rd, but I got it for him. And it was an honor to do it. I did it at the request of Cardinal Dolan and others of your leaders. They really needed it. We took care of that situation. Very important.
0: Sound like a mob boss to you? Sure does to me. I got him for you. You remember that on November 3rd. Cardinal Dolan called... He asked for money and I got it for him. I gave him the money. Cardinal Dolan called the White House and said, "I want money and I need it to keep the ch- the schools afloat because they're closed due to COVID 1984 and I got you the money." Who got you the money? The Trump got you the money. You remember that. On November 3rd, you remember that Catholics on election day, Papa did good for you. Does he sound like a mob boss? Does he sound like somebody who's genuinely interested in the Catholic faith? I'm asking. I'm wondering. I'm wondering out loud. What do we have here? We have a couple pictures pulled up. We have the million-dollar man, Bishop Barron, took a million dollars for Pants on Fire Ministries. Did you know Pants on Fire is now putting out a Bible? Bishop Barron is printing his own Bible. It's always dangerous when people, uh, when clerics print their own Bible. Didn't really go over so well when Martin Luther printed his own Bible. Martin Luther printed his own Bible, and he took out like seven books from the Bible, changed some words around, added the word alone after faith. You will be saved by faith alone. doesn't actually say that, but he thought that it should say that. When Bishop Pants on Fire releases his own Bible, the Word on Fire Bible, the Pants on Fire Bible, you can rest assured, simple taxpayer, you who are watching or listening in podcast Phil, that you subsidized it. You lent through the Paycheck Protection Program a million dollars to Pants on Fire so that he could continue printing the Bible. And you know what's the best part about his Bible? It's one-to-one scripture versus commentary. And you know who wrote all the commentary? Robert Barron. Robert Barron wrote all the commentary. So your tax dollars went to subsidizing that Bible. Now, you just heard Trump speak. You just heard him tell you that Cardinal Dolan called and said, I want some money. Can you get me some money? And you know what happened? He complied. He complied. How's the audio? Is that better? A couple of you are saying that the audio is not so good. Let me know if it improves at this point. So that is the first part. The second part of the theory, the thesis, that there's no separation of church and state in America is that the Catholic Church took $3.5 billion during a lockdown. In what world is that okay? In what world does that make sense? Okay, so they're saying that the sound is good. Good. In what world does that make sense, I ask you? $3.5 billion to do nothing. Nothing to do nothing, to stay closed, to stay home, to shut the doors, to kick people out. Three and a half billion dollars, the largest transfer payment perhaps in the history of the world from any sovereign power to any uh, organization, be it religious or other organization. Three and a half billion dollars to stay home, to stay closed, to stay shut, to keep you at home, to deny you sacraments, to deny you absolution, to cancel your weddings, and to leave you dying on your deathbed. That actually happened in these United States, but is that a surprise, ladies and gentlemen? The point of this video is that nothing is surprising these days. We need to be armed with the truth, and by the end of it, I'm going to tell you exactly how we can weaponize the truth and employ it to our advantage. This is a how-to video, fundamentally, in its essence, okay? So we got to talk about Americanism a little bit. This is a new concept. I haven't talked about Americanism for a long time on this show. First, you can see that Amy Cohen Barrett is up there. You can see that Amy Cohen Barrett literally said, I am willing to set aside my faith. Good Catholic woman that she is, right? Good Catholic woman. Everyone says she's Catholic. She has seven kids, two of which are adopted from Haiti. The all-American family. Went to Notre Dame. Tends mass regularly. Receives the sacraments. She's on record as saying that the courts should be advancing the kingdom of God. Seems like a good pick, right? We need to talk about Americanism. I think you can see Pope Leo uh, somewhere on the screen. It was Pope Leo in 1899 who released an encyclical called Testum Benevolentati Nostri, 1899, and he addressed it to Cardinal gibbons baltimore the man who gave us the baltimore catechism did you know that the man who gave us the baltimore catechism is the man to whom the encyclical on americanism was addressed now the encyclical on americanism was written back when encyclicals weren't written every few months for flippant reasons like tutti frutti today do i have that audio i think i have that audio
1: we're
0: not talking oh, about too many fruit, to the oh, We're talking fruit. about an actual encyclical to the oh, to
1: written to by the holy
0: oh, to the to the All right, I'll oh, stop having fun. This I'm not supposed to have fun tonight. This is perfunctory information that we have to get through so that you can understand what I'm going to tell you next week, which I've been waiting to tell you, honestly. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Let's get through this information. She's willing to set aside her Catholic beliefs. Why is she willing to set aside her Catholic beliefs? Well, because that is the essence of Americanism. That is the fundamental error. That is the heresy condemned by Leo XIII. She is, she is supposed to be someone who will never set aside, never compromise her Catholic beliefs. But Amy Comey Barrett, nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States, she will fill the seat of RBG unless they can resurrect RBG, which I wouldn't be surprised. In one of her apparitions, I think our lady told us that in the end times, not only would there be demons of the air, which I saw some stuff about UFOs today, but that the handmaids of the devil would be resurrecting people. And I think that the first person they would resurrect is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But assuming they don't resurrect her and bring her back from the dead and un, you know take her body off of uh, ice... Amy Comey Barrett is going to be a Supreme Court justice. Does it make you feel comfortable, ladies and gentlemen? I'm asking. Look, I'm not trying to be a naysayer here. You guys know I'm an optimist by nature. By nature, I am an optimist. I'm pretty happy-go-lucky, too. And I'm fun to drink with. But does it make you comfortable that the woman who claims to be this professed Catholic says, I will set aside my views to get on the court. I will set aside my views when I'm ruling on the court. I will do whatever it takes to get on the court. I will do whatever it takes to cling to power, this woman who wears pants. So that's the question. Does that make you feel comfortable? Well, let's just talk a little bit about what Americanism is, the nature of Americanism, the history of Americanism. You have to start from the premise. By the way, Michael Matt put out, actually, I don't know if he wrote it, but uh, written by Paul Krauss, put out an article on the Remnant I think just today where he talks a lot about the history of Americanism and it's, and it's integral to the history of Catholics in America, because the truth is, is that this is a Puritan empire. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Puritan empire. This is an empire founded by Puritans. This is a Protestant empire. Catholics were never welcome, not even in Maryland, In Maryland, they made the mistake of having religious freedom. Catholics were not the majority. And eventually, they were terrorized there too, pushed as far west as possible. This country was founded by Protestants, and Catholics are alien to it. So, to get along in this country, to survive in this country, what many Irish, and then later Italian, and then later Polish immigrants had to do was compromise their faith. Go along to get along. The essence of Americanism is to compromise your faith in order to fit in, in order to blend in, in order to become acceptable by the masses. That is what Americanism is. It is a stated heresy of the church, just like Arianism, just like Protestantism, It is a stated heresy defined solemnly by Pope Leo XIII in 1899 and addressed to the leading prelate of the American Catholic Church, Cardinal Gibbons. Now, Gibbons was a man who was actually respected in Rome. He was one of the very first American prelates who wore a red hat, who was taken seriously by Rome and by his colleagues in Europe because he was a scholar. He was a biblical scholar. He could read and translate in both Greek and Latin and Hebrew. He wrote very serious works on scripture, on history, on doctrine. And for the first time, a prelate in the New World, in the United States, was taken very seriously. And he is the person, by the way, who gave us the Baltimore Catechism. So when Leo Thirteenth addressed his encyclical to Cardinal Gibbons, he said, look, you've got to solve this. You have to solve this problem. Now, I see somebody in the live chat is mentioning the Kennedys. This, of course, is exactly where I'm going. JFK famously, in order to get elected in the United States, did exactly what ACB just did. Namely, I am willing to set aside my Catholic beliefs. I am willing to compromise my Catholic beliefs. That's what JFK did in his famous speech on religious freedom. The Pope doesn't tell me what to do. My Catholic faith doesn't inform my public policy decisions. I am my own man. I am one of you. I am one of you. That is the heresy of Americanism. I am one of you. That is what so many of our German and Czech and Polish and Italian and Irish forefathers had to say. To go along, to get along. And they were supported by a brood of vipers. They were supported and encouraged, aided and abetted by prelates in the United States like Bishop Ireland, who went along to get along and did not believe that what the church taught. And they were more than happy for those people to do that. Now, we have to move to our next point, but we have a longstanding tradition of Americanism in these United States. ACB setting aside her faith, that should not make you feel comfortable. I'm about to play you two videos simultaneously, but I've taken the sound off of both of them and I'm just going to talk over them. And I'm going to tell you from a business perspective. And I know, I know some of you are small business owners. I can see in the live chat right now, I've got small business owners, people that I know, trust, respect, and love who are watching this show who know exactly what I'm going to, what I'm talking about here. When you make an investment in something, when you invest your dollars in it, when you make a loan to somebody, when you invest either debt or equity, you have an ownership stake in that enterprise. You own it, or at least you have a stake in it. And if you own something, you have a duty to protect that thing which you own. You are obliged to protect it. What you can see happening, in Chile, Santiago, two churches burned down to the sounds of cheering to the sounds of glee in the bottom of the screen you can see a statue of saint unipedo set up just this weekend being pulled down Now, I did a show, the first statue that came down this summer during the Black Lives Matter thing, when this priest named Father Rothrock got canceled, you can see the image of it. Unfortunately, if you click the image, it's not going to take you to the show, but that's what the image looks like for the show. I did a live stream about him, and he correctly identified Black Lives Matter as being a Marxist movement, a neo-Marxist movement, backed by trained Marxists attempting to erase our history to unmoor us from our identity to incite racial violence to incite intra-class struggle that's what communism needs in order to be implemented and father rothrock correctly said those things you can see the chaos happening down in south america with liberation theology the same place from which the current pope is from not the same country not i mean he's from argentina same philosophy liberation theology when you make an investment in something, you own it. Okay. You own it. Now, what did I tell you at the beginning of the show? There's no separation between church and state. The state has purchased the church. The state has transferred three and a half billion dollars to the coffers of the Catholic church, specifically to close the church, specifically to keep everyone closed and scared. That is what happened today, ladies and gentlemen. That's what happened in 2020. So, what does the logic say? If you invest in something, you have, a, you have a duty to protect it. Who's protecting the church? I ask you, who is protecting the church? Are the owners protecting the church? Well, who are the owners? Who are the stakeholders? In a certain way, the people who just paid $3.5 billion to close the church, aren't they stakeholders? They made loans. They made investments. I played you a clip. Donald Trump. Cardinal Dolan called me and asked for money, and I got it for him. You remember that on November 3rd. You remember who got it for you. I got it for you. No one got it for you but me. I got it for you. Direct quote. Donald Trump. I got you the money. Cardinal Dolan called, and I wrote a check. So who is the stakeholder in the Catholic Church today, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I can tell you who's not. I can tell you it's not me. It's not you. You and I are not the stakeholders in the Catholic Church. You and I don't own the property. And according to the U.S. government, according to your state, county, local level governments, we not only are not owners, we're not stakeholders, we're not even allowed to be customers. We have no right to go to the church. We have no right to ask for sacraments. We have no right to sacramental grace. That's according to the Covidians. That's according to the Fauchists. That's according to the purveyors of the New World Order. Are you still not concerned about what we're seeing today, ladies and gentlemen? Are you still unconcerned about the fact that ACB is going to set aside her Catholic beliefs the moment she gets on the bench, just like John Roberts? Does it not tingle your spidey sense? That Cardinal Dolan, quote, and other leaders, we don't know who those other leaders are. Was it Whirl? Was it Supich? Was it Gomez? That Cardinal Dolan called the president, asked for millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to keep the Catholic schools going, the Catholic schools that teach unspeakably horrible things, and that are now underwritten by the federal government underwritten by the federal government, funneled through the banks so that everybody has a piece of the pie except you. The banksters have a piece of the pie. The feds have a piece of the pie. The bishops have a piece of the pie. And you and I are left at the bread counter starving. Trying to get this video to play. I think you're going to like it. Let's see if it plays.
1: Under his aegis, all these forces sort of come together at Vatican II. And if you want to put it this way, they do battle. Because now Gary Lagrange himself was, was in his dotage at that time. He wasn't involved. But someone like Cardinal Ottaviani, who was the head of the Holy Office at the time, would have represented that point of view, and, and many people with them. They they did battle, you might say, in the in the salons and the classrooms and in the in the churches and so on at Vatican II, and on the floor of the council to some degree.
0: I don't know why I do this. The debates I don't happen. Know why I have to listen to and this guy. Then we
1: have these great texts of Vatican II that I think it's very fair to say whether it's Lumen Gentium, Gaudium et Spes, Dignitatis Humanae, um, Sacrosanctum Concilium on the liturgy. They represent the victory of the Nouvelle-Théologie stream over the more conservative Gargou Lagrange uh, stream.
0: Okay, let's unpack what Bishop Robert Barron just said. I told you Bishop Pants on Fire is putting out a Bible that you helped fund. Is he going to pay you back for that? I doubt it. I doubt it. He just said that Vatican Council II was a battle of the novelle theologia the new theology, and that the new theology won. It's triumphant. These men are in the bag. They are bought and paid for by the Democrat Party. No, this video, I told you at the beginning, this is not a right versus left video. This is not about Joe Biden. It's not about that. It's worse than that. If you and I get sucked into the right versus left mantra, then we're doing exactly what they wanted us to do. We're better than that. We're smarter than that. At least you are. I'm just trying to keep up with you. And that's the God's honest truth, by the way. I have so many of you fans that are out there that are telling me things and pushing me information and helping me form my thoughts. And I'm just like, you guys should have this show, not me. I should be listening to you. But here you are, you're listening to me right now. Bishop Barron celebrates the triumph of the Novelle Theologe against the spiritual master himself, Geragou Lagrange. I just want, I want to tell you a quick story about Garrigou Lagrange. Literally one of the titans of moral theology. He taught at the Angelicum in Rome, one of the most prestigious universities in Rome. You know who went there? John Paul II went there. He did. In fact, those two men knew each other. John Paul II went to the Angelicum in Rome and he took moral theology from Geragou Lagrange, who was considered a living legend even in his time. Did you know that Geragou Lagrange failed John Paul II? He failed him. He gave him an F. He had to redo the class. Do you know Why? Because John Paul II, according to Gary lagrange wrote too many words that meant nothing. No word economy. Couldn't be concise to save his life. Tons of words. Does that sound familiar? Tons of words that signify nothing. They say nothing. Go read Lumen Gentium. What do you get out of it? What does it say? What does it say? It says that the church subsists, the Catholic church subsists with inside the, within the church, and we're not quite sure. It's confusing because it's meant to be confusing. That is how modernists operate. That is how they operate. Superfluous words signifying nothing. Garagu LaGrange failed John Paul II. You know, John Paul took his name. After John the Twenty Third and Paul VI, John Paul literally took his name after the two popes who oversaw Vatican Council II. John the Twenty Third, who kicked it off and said, this is not a dogmatic council. We will not be defining dogma nor condemning error. There will be no anathemas. And Paul VI, who closed it out, who said, there was nothing new said here today, gentlemen, just lengthy, lengthy documents from the council that signify nothing do you see a theme here do you see a theme if you can create enough doubt inside these lengthy documents with superfluous words flowery language signifying nothing if you can divorce words from their inalienable meanings which is what modernists and liberals seek to do then you can you can you can fit in you can fit in With the crowd, you don't have to swim upstream and be a Catholic who stands out. The steel ball in the pit of the world's stomach that refuses to be digested. No. You can go along to get along. And that is exactly what the modernists seek to do. And that is what these evil prelates seek to do. These brood of vipers that are surrounding me on the screen right now is pretty scary. I'm not even talking about all of them. I'm just talking about a couple of them. I gave you a quick history of Americanism. This same history will help you understand why our prelates today are so corrupt to the core, why they don't have any supernatural faith, why they are naturalists who care more about your, your body than your soul, which is why they melted under the COVID-1984 hysteria. And more importantly for this video, why they are bought and paid for by the Democratic National Convention Committee, DNC. Why the USCCB is in bed with Democrats? What have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why it is that w- when you look at the USCCB's policies on anything—immigration, social medicine, multiculturalism, human rights, the family, welfare, private property—now in tutti frutti, when you look at the USCCB? Is there any separation between them and the Democrat Party? Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Why? Why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you, but that's not going to solve the problem. I'm still going to get to the solution. Trust me, there is a solution to this video, and I hope that you can stick around to watch it. But the reason is Americanism. The reason goes back to those poor souls coming in through Ellis Island Irishmen many of them slaves in America Italians who were scoffed at who were viewed as too dark to be American imagine that Italians are Italians were too dark they were they were treated like blacks oh and heaven forbid if you like sauerkraut if you got off the boat from eastern europe And you were Catholic in this Puritan empire, this Puritan Freemasonic empire. You were a second, third, fourth class citizen. You were pushed as far west as possible. Why is the upper Midwest so German? So Czech? Well, because those people were stupid farmers. That's why. They were pushed west by the elites in New York City, financial capital of the world they were pushed west by the puritan dutch brits anglo-saxons they didn't speak english and they believed in that superstitious papal faith so they were pushed to the west and that is why the the midwest the upper midwest is so Catholic. It's one or two generations removed from the faith if you really think about it. But we go back to this history and the Catholics were a tool of the Democrat Party. Now, we're not talking about today's Democrat Party. We're talking about the Democrat Party of JFK. And this was the party of labor unions. Labor unions protected those Czech Catholics, those Austrian Catholics who came here couldn't speak the language, just wanted to work in a factory, just wanted a better life for their family, just wanted to live the American dream. Labor unions protected those workers and the Democrat Party therefore used the Catholics as a tool, as a wrecking ball in American politics. That's the historical reason why the USCCB is fundamentally in lockstep with the Democrat Party. Now, the Democrat Party took a hard left turn. Some say it's after George McGovern. Some say it's even later than that. To anybody who thinks it's just Barack Hussein Obama, I, I got news for you. It happened way before him. He's just the fruit, literally, it's a fruit, of a long-standing movement. He's just the symptom of an underlying stench of death of putrid death. So it wasn't with Obama. It was long before him. Probably with probably with um, Lyndon B. Johnson is where I would say. The Great Society. That's where it really got kicked off. I mean, look, I'm not going to discount FDR. We can debate all this. That's not the point of this show. The historical nature of why the Democrats and the Catholic Church, especially in the Episcopate, are in lockstep with each other. Now, you have very few exceptions today to this complicitness. You have very few exceptions, okay? Look at look at all that's happening on the screen right now. Let's just Let's unpack a little bit of it. And if you're listening in Podcastville, this is one of those shows where I've got a lot of visuals. I've got several more videos planned. You're going to really like the videos. You need to see them, so check it out on YouTube as well. This video is probably not going to be monetized because I've already said things that youtube doesn't like but look i'm not here to make money i told you this i'm not a professional catholic i can say whatever i want so long as i don't get kicked off right these men and women who are running cath the catholic church and i said women on purpose i said women because there are ver- there are susans at the parish council there are karens who are running their parishes especially in the alt-left Novus Ordo land, where they put women in charge of the parish councils and they're effectively running the parishes. But these men, these prelates, they are bought and paid for by the Democrat Party. It's a historical fact. They've been in lockstep since long before JFK and then some. It all ties into the philosophical error of Americanism. It's a stated heresy of the church. I talked to you a little bit about what it was. I told you Leo Thirteenth condemned it dogmatically today taylor marshall was talking about this stuff with hitchborn marshall and hitchborn were talking about the fact that the usccb is literally funneling money to joe biden that's a fact that's a breaking news you heard it on taylor marshall's show today i was stunned they're not giving it to his campaign directly nothing happens directly these days, people don't speak directly. They don't speak clearly. They don't speak concisely. What is tutti frutti, for example? What is tutti frutti?
1: It's a manifesto of nothingness.
0: It's a manifesto of Freemasonic gibble-dee-goop. It's nothing. It means nothing. It signifies nothing. Don't spend any time reading it. So no, people are not direct today. But Marshall and Hitchborn were talking about how the USCCB is literally giving money. They're giving your money. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. You put money in the plate. You put money in the plate, and that money goes to Joe Biden, who wants to chop up babies, who wants to redefine what a family is. The USCCB believes in climate change. A Malthusian lie. Climate change is literally a propagandized lie based on the Malthusian theory that there are too many humans on the planet. It's a way of population control. Joe Biden gives money, gets money from the US bishops. These people are bought and paid for. Look at Jimmy Martin. SJ. Do you see Jimmy Martin? He made it to Rome met Pope Francis, they had a gay old time together, didn't they? You know who couldn't meet Pope Francis? Cardinal Zen, the leading prelate in China, or Taiwan, part of China, I guess. We don't know. Disputed part of China. Cardinal Zen flies to Rome, 72 hours, says, Holy Father, I need to talk to you about the underground church in China. We're being persecuted. Pope Francis has no time, but he has a gay old time. Jimmy, Jimmy Martin. Oh, by the way, is that, who is that? Is that Cardinal Betu? I, I I selected some of these images really fast and I just threw them in. That's Betu, The guy who bribed a jury in Australia to convict Cardinal Pell because Cardinal Pell was sniffing around the Vatican Bank. Speaking of money transfers between the Catholic Church and the Democrat Party. Disgrace Cardinal you What is this right by my hand? What is, what is this right here? This. That's a coin. That's the new coin that the Vatican put out a couple of days ago. It's the Pachamama. The pa- we can't, why can't we get away from the Pachamama? Nobody wants to talk about the Pachamama. Marshall did it to death. I mean, he planned the whole thing. He funded it. You guys know that. But just to stick a just to poke, I think they did it just to poke Marshall in the in the face, to be honest. They issued a 10 euro coin, the Vatican did, with the Pachamama on it. It's the literal Pachamama. It's a woman who's pregnant and, and her pregnant belly is the earth. It's as though they didn't learn their lesson you know, I did a whole video about why we deserve 2020 and it goes back to the Pachamama and even before really to Abu Dhabi. You should check that out. I Not too many people watch that live stream. I'm not sure why. I think I thought it was really good. It was well-researched. I put together like 12 pieces of data and you guys didn't even watch it, but that's okay because I didn't do it for you. I did it for God. Um, and then you see the church burning over here. See the church burning over here. Okay, so I want to talk about the, the few exceptions and then a couple other things. I want to make you laugh, and then I'm going to make you cry. Okay, deal? Good. These are the exceptions. Over here, over here, you see a couple people on Twitter saying you cannot be Democrat and Catholic. And that's true. Look, that's true. Listen, you and I both know you can't be Catholic and Democrat, okay? That's not like breaking news. That's not that's not like profound or anything. I'm not going to sit here and insult your intelligence and do a whole video that says, oh, you can't be a Democrat and Catholic. That's like a duh. That's a total duh. I know that the Restoring the Faith Media YouTube audience is much more sophisticated, nuanced, and intelligent than that. I'm not gonna hang my head on that. I'm not gonna sit here and every single day put out a video that says, "Oh my gosh, Joe Biden is a fake Catholic. Uh, we know that. You and I know that. This video is not about Joe Biden. Yes, he's his his image is on the clickbait. It's because I wanted you to watch it so that we can get through this logic. this is this is hard work here we're doing, all right? We're doing some serious exegesis here. So, Father Altman gets endorsed and supported by Bishop Strickland. Uh, The good Bishop Tobin, not the bad one. There are two Tobins. It's it's confusing. There's a a wicked Tobin and there's a good Tobin. The good Tobin says, yeah, he he gets a good pot shot in. Biden-Harris, first time there's ever been a a Democrat candidate without a Catholic on there. First of all, that's not true. I mean, look at Clinton-Gore, for example. Neither of them are Catholic, I don't think. I know Clinton's not. Um, but it was a good singer. Sticker gets in there. Breaking news, though, above my shoulder here. This is my left shoulder, by the way. I'm getting. I'm starting to learn how to use the the visuals here. Look at this. I know. Above my left shoulder, you see breaking news. This actually happened just a few hours ago, and I'm bringing it to you. This is a priest in Wales. In Wales, the lockdown is coming. I'm going to talk about that next. That's my next point because we have to understand that the lockdown is coming. And this priest says, God, forgive me for falling for it the first time. I am keeping my church open for the faithful. I don't care what Her Majesty says. I don't care what my prime minister or my first minister says about COVID-1984. I'm keeping the church open, period, end of story. Can we give this man a round of applause? I want you to know, I sent him an email and I begged him to come on. I haven't heard back. He's probably busy since he sent this tweet. They might have canceled him, to be honest. But can we give this man a round of applause? This faithful priest in Wales who says, I am not complying with this next lockdown. I'm keeping my church open. They will have to arrest me. They will have to arrest me. And Wales is shut down. It's totally locked down. Where is it? Well, we must do lockdowns. I'm still with you. I got you. Do you see everything that's happening around me? Do you see Ireland, Wales, the United Kingdom, Canada, Denver? New Mexico, Los Angeles. I was called a kook in the beginning of March. I was called a kook for saying that there was going to be a total lockdown, that the churches were going to be closed, that if you had access to Mass, you better take it. You better go, even if it's a daily Mass. Drop what you're doing. Take a a few hours off from work and go. Go and worship our Lord. Go and assist at the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Go and as our forefathers in the faith, especially in Celtic speaking lands, 600 years ago as they would describe it, going to Mass, we say we go to Mass. They would say, I would see our Lord. Because... Dear faithful, dear friends, at the moment of the elevation of the host, where the priest elevates the host, and it is true God, true man, my Lord and my God made flesh, you see him, you see him with your eyes, you see him with your heart and your soul. That is how it was described in ancient Welsh. That is how it was described in the Anglo-Saxon kingdom. There's a whole book about it. It's wonderful. Charles Cullum did the foreword. We say, I'm going to go to church or I'm going to go to mass. In some circles, especially the trad circles, they say, I'm going to assist at mass if they want to sound pretentious. Listen, I don't mind sounding pretentious. I'm not knocking that. But they used to say, I'm going to see our Lord. That's how they would describe going to Mass. I'm going to see our Lord. When this second lockdown comes, you'll see our Lord. You'll see him. you'll see him on YouTube That's where you'll see him. That's where they want you to see him. That's where they want you to see him. That's where the Democrats want you to see him. That's where the Covidians want you to see him and the Fauci's and the USCCB. I told you that the second lockdown is coming. I told you we are now witnessing it. It always starts on a Friday night. Big moves on Friday nights. I'm looking forward to what happens at the end of this week on this Friday night. Last Friday night, Denver and New Mexico fell. Over the weekend, the United Kingdom, Wales, Ireland fell. Australia has never recovered. And by the way, New York, California, that's like a quarter of the U.S. population or maybe a fifth. I think I did the math. If you include Pennsylvania and Michigan, which are going nuts right now, New York and California, that's more than a quarter of the U.S. population is already locked down. They're already barred from many of the sacraments. They're doing outdoor revivals, tent masses. This is coming soon to a diocese near you. If you have access to mass, ladies and gentlemen, go. Go! Okay, let's get into what we must do. Well, let's do one more thing first. I told you I wanted to make you laugh, and I do want to make you laugh. I think it's fair. I think that if we lose our sense of humor in these times, if we lose the ability to laugh, laugh at ourselves, never take yourself too seriously, but if we can't laugh at the situation and we're just in terror... And in sadness, then, um, we're not really in communion with the saints because the saints laughed a lot. So I made this little video and it's called, where is it? It's called, um, I, you've heard people, you've heard these people. They say, Oh, the mask, the mask is not the hill to die on. Why would you, you know, who cares about the mask? You know, it's a little thing, whatever. Okay. So I, I found some silly music, bought it, um, I don't know what else I'm going to use this music for. But this the, video, the title of this video is Mass or Not the Hill to Die On. Here we go. Oh,
1: no. If you riot and it, they won't do nothing. If it was Black Lives Matter protesting, they wouldn't do nothing. Watch that. Watch that. Those Black Lives Matter, they won't do nothing. Hey, what country is this, huh? No rights? That's what they do. That's what they do.
0: It's not serious people that masks are not the hill to die on you guys need to calm down okay you need to calm. this this took 20 minutes here 20 minutes of work i'm sure there are better headlines this is what i came up with i'm
1: being arrested because i refused to wear a mask in the united states of america this is where we are people this is where we are
0: Oh, this one's sad. Look at this pregnant woman in Australia. For a Facebook post! For a Facebook post! They're arresting her.
1: She's
0: on her way to see her OB, and they're going to take her in. Okay master not a hill to die. I worst you're supposed to laugh at that nobody laughed I can see in the live chat a lot of you were not laughing you're thinking oh man this is pretty serious okay we're at the point now ladies and gentlemen where I'm going to give you the solution okay you've you've been patient some of you have already seen this I'm going to give you the solution the solution is twofold the solution is spiritual and is temporal we as human beings have our intellect and our will, which is defined as our soul intellect plus will, soul. And we have our body. And our body is subject to our lower passions, our concupiscible passions, our irascible passions. I've done a video. This is why we have the four cardinal virtues because each one of the four cardinal virtues governs one piece of the soul. Your intellect, your will, your concupiscence, and your irascible appetites. Holy Mother Church doesn't just make this stuff up. Holy Mother Church doesn't just say, oh, let's have four cardinal virtues. You've heard of the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. Yeah, they call it that based on the four cardinal virtues. And no, it has nothing to do with cardinals in the Catholic Church. So these virtues govern the four aspects of the human person. So, there has to be a spiritual component, there has to be a temporal component. I'll give you the spiritual component first. Okay? Some of you who have been watching the show for a while know what exactly what I'm about to say. And it is this. We need the holy face in our lives. We need the holy face devotion. We are nothing without the face of Almighty God in the second person of the Holy Trinity, especially our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us nine specific promises associated with the Holy Face, including that we will work miracles, convert sinners. Did you know that the Holy Face devotion is literally the only devotion ever given to us by heaven And by heaven, I mean by any saint, by the Blessed Virgin Mary, by our Lord himself from heaven, okay? The only devotion ever given to man from heaven, which specifically says, I will defeat communism. It specifically names communism. Communism. This is what we're seeing here today, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Biden's a communist. Kamala Harris is a communist. The USCCB are communists. Tutti Frutti is communist. The burning of churches by Antifa in Buenos Aires or Santiago, Chile is communist. The movement as a result of George Floyd is communist. what they're seeking to implement in the United States by severing us from our roots, by making us ashamed of our history, by inciting economic collapse, COVID-1984, by inciting interclass warfare and envy and struggle is communist. It's all communist. Now I've said the word communist enough times to get demonetized. So I'm not going to make the $5 that I was hoping to make on this video. But what I am hoping to do, what I am hoping to do is to convince you that this is the devotion that you need. I have a whole playlist. I've got several videos in this playlist. It's called the Holy Face Playlist. You need to subscribe to Restoring the Faith. Show us your face, O oh Lord, and we will be saved. That's one of the prayers associated with the holy face. Show us thy face, O oh Lord, and we will be saved. What do the Fauchists say? What do the Naturalists say? What do the Covidians say? They say, mask thy face, O oh citizen, or we will be sick. That's what they say. We're headed for a second shutdown. They're going to shut your church. They're going to deny you the sacraments. The sacraments are the only means of sacramental grace. Grace is the participation in the inner life of God. That's the definition. I'm big on definitions. If you cannot participate in the inner life of God, the Holy Trinity working in heaven right now, You will not be saved. That is what the Freemasons want. That's what the Jews want. Their agenda is to cancel the Mass, to destroy the Eucharist. I told you that on the 50th anniversary of the implementation of the Novus Ordo Mass, we witnessed Black Sunday. God Almighty struck it down! He canceled it. He canceled Mass. April 22nd, 2020 is exactly 50 years after April 22nd, 1970, the forced implementation of the Novus Ordo Mise in these United States. And do you know when COVID-1984 was born? Do you know its birthday? Middle of October, 2019, when that man in Rome worshipped a demon, when he venerated the Pachamama idol. Yeah, I'm mad. I am pissed off. Do you know why I'm mad? This is called righteous indignation. Anger is not necessarily a sin. Anger can be a virtue or a vice. Anger is the most complicated human emotion that there is. St. Thomas Aquinas says that anger can be a virtue when it's righteous indignation for our Lord. That man brought the Pachamama idol into your church. I said you weren't a stakeholder. I was wrong. You're the owner. It's your church. It's my church. You're the owner. They brought that Pachamama in to Rome, and they venerated it, and they're doubling down with their stupid coin And it is a blasphemy and it is a disgrace and it is a profanation. So, the first thing that we do, ladies and gentlemen, is we pray an act of reparation for blasphemy the Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious, and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in hell by all God's creatures. And by the Sacred Heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. In omni patri sit fili spiritu sancti. Amen. That's the first thing that we do. But to you men who are watching, and to you wives and mothers who are watching, this is the second thing that we must do. Here it is. Is. 1987, France. What you're seeing right now is a procession. And I'm going to narrate to you from an article in the New York Times of all places. Quote, a battered 18th century church, festooned with daisies and death bills and strangely littered with the remnants of single block barricades, stands in this residential community in the far western suburbs of Paris as a kind of emblem of a new stage in the long history of religious conflict in France. For the last six months, the building, the Church of St. Louis, has been a battleground forcibly occupied by a d- group of deeply conservative Roman Catholics called catholic fundamentalists by the parisian press they're demanding that the bishopric in nearby versailles allow them to celebrate mass in latin using the ancient rites set by the set aside by the second vatican council of 1962 to 1965 the methods used by the traditionalists and the reaction of local church and civil authorities have pushed this suburb into national prominence with the Port Marley Church becoming a center of rebellion slowly gathering support from conservative Catholics elsewhere in France. Watch these guys. Watch them unvest. In pursuit of their demand, the group's members have turned to a form of civil disobedience. They have defied the Bishop of Versailles, at one point using a battering ram to break into the church, which had been sealed by the local police. They also have hired a dissident Benedictine monk who accuses the official hierarchy of lacking religious faith to serve as their priest. All of this has given the theological quarrel in Port Marley, a small community in the, in the Seine, about 20 miles from Paris, a seminal character. Elsewhere in France, there are points of resistance to the changes introduced by the Vatican Council known as Vatican II. But rarely, if ever, have they led to such drama, including a degree of physical violence reminiscent, some traditionalists say, of the French Revolution. Quote, the passions that religion can inspire are truly awesome, said the mayor of Port Marley, Louis Didier, an opponent of the traditionalists. Reason is no longer prevailing here. Reason. Does that sound familiar? Reason is no longer prevailing, ladies and gentlemen. You can take your reason and shut up your They thought they would be able to impose their will on this community, said the monk, the Reverend Bruno de Ligniere, referring to the mayor and the Versailles bishopric but they ran across a group of people who held tightly to their face.
1: To their faith.
0: The two sides at least agree on one point. The conflict came about because of the history of the Church of St. Louis. And then it goes on and talks about that particular church, that particular town. What I want you to see is what we... Want to do. This is the temporal nature of what we do, and these USCCB spineless, faithless fools. Cower, and they cower at the foot of the altar of modernism, of reason. This is what we do. We take back our church. Ladies and gentlemen, you say your chaplet to the Holy Face, and then you prepare your battering ram, and you force your way into your church. The U.S. government doesn't own your church. The bishop doesn't own your church. You do! It's yours, because it's God's. God's house. And God will be worshipped and glorified. Almighty God will be worshipped and glorified in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The liturgy will continue. The only pleasing liturgy there is on the planet. The only thing that we can offer to God that is objectively pleasing to Him which is Himself. We will succeed because we will do so in his holy name and for his holy face. What you're seeing here in 1987 is the template for how we win against the Covidians. We bust down the doors to our churches, we open them, we step through, and we sing hymns to Our Lady. You'll we'll see them in a moment. You'll we'll see the eldest daughter of the church entering with the cobwebs. And they are singing the hymn. this video and not get emotional. Try to watch this video and ask yourself, are you ready? Are you, you, you? Are you prepared to do what it takes to worship Almighty God, to render pleasing sacrifice to Him? Will you do what it takes? I hope so. I hope so. Because the enemies of God have gathered. The enemies of God have consolidated their power. And it doesn't matter if Biden... Wins, or if Trump wins the election, the enemies of God seek to cancel Mass. They seek to destroy the Holy Eucharist. Are you willing to fight this time? Like that priest in Wales, like those men in France, are you willing to fight? Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let all that hate thee flee from before thy face. Amen. I want to take your questions now. uh, If there are any dry eyes out there, I want to take your questions. So go ahead, post your questions. I told you a lot in this video while you're preparing your questions. I told you that the Trumpzilla took the phone call from you-know-who, Cardinal Dolan. He gave him money, $3.5 billion transferred to the Catholic Church. There is no separation of church and state in the United States. The U.S. government has invested in the church. They've bought the church, but they act like absentee owners. They refuse to defend her from this. There's no real defense for our church. It falls to us, ladies and gentlemen, to you and to me. We are the only thing standing between these godless communists and the further profanation and destruction of our churches. And I say further because I mean further than the USCCB. We have to do it in spite of our bishops. We have to do it when they will not help. We have to do it over and above them. We we may even have to... (gasps) We may have to disobey them. We may have to disobey our bishops to keep the liturgies going around the earth to satiate the wrath of Almighty God. All right, I'm going to take your questions now. Um, Let's see. The battering ram was a cross, Mark Becker. Amen. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Holy face devotee, profaners of the holy name and of the holy day. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Almighty God, for bringing the devotion of the Holy face into my life and to so many others. I hope you guys all can get involved in the Holy face, get enrolled in the arch confraternity. There's a one pager on the martinians.org website. You can go to the martinians.org, fill out the one pager, send it off to France and they'll send you a, a whole gift basket of goodies, including the oil that you need and the certificate and everything else and prayer cards and all kinds of stuff. I'm still waiting for my stuff mail these days in COVID-1984 is very slow. Margaret Mary Young, one of my favorite fans. I love you, Margaret Mary Young. Our Lady of Prompt Succour, pray for us. Please, Heavenly Mother, intercede. Yes, amen. I hope she does. Just like those French Catholics who are praying to Our Lady when they successfully um, overcame, they breached the barricades in their church and they came Inside the church, and they rendered pleasing sacrifice to God. Um, let's see what questions do we have. Jordan, send me some good questions. Jordan, I, my friend Jordan, he's the new moderator for these live streams. I think that's a good idea, don't you? I think so. Some of them, I got a little bit crazy. I mean, we got hundreds of people in here. We got lots of comments. Some people taking ad hominems. Some people arguing things that have nothing to do with the video. Uh what is this red candy says have you heard anything by Father Stan Fortuna Okay listen I've heard of Father Fortuna but I have not listened to his stuff I'm sorry I need to mea culpa if I've missed something important White chocolate bear Um, You asked me a question the other day, and I I don't have the answer to it, and I forget what the question was, but I'm sorry I didn't answer your question. Thank you, Mike. I got all the stuff. Just sent the app to France. Hey, good. Oh, man, another devotee. That's great. Uh, Margaret Mary Young. Dolan has poor homeless sleeping on the streets in St. Patrick's Cathedral. He rids them like stray dogs. He sips his brandy by the fire after his lobster dinner. (laughs) I'm not going to comment on that. I think I've said all about Dolan that I'm going to say tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you know where I stand on that. Uh, Molly C., what do you say to those who call Catholics who are opposed to uh, to Halloween Protestant Puritan? <laughs> hey, Molly, <laughs> stop it. Okay, she's referring to Steve Skojek. Uh one Peter Five. He's a friend. Like I like Steve, but he's just wrong on COVID nineteen eighty-four. He's wrong on pot and weed. He's wrong on women with purple hair. He's wrong on traditionalists and decorum and wearing wearing clothing that's befitting of your dignity. And he's wrong on Halloween. I'm sorry. Uh, watch my two-hour show I did with Joseph about Halloween. I will convince you that you are not to be trick-or-treating. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what your stupid pastor says. You are not to be halloweening. You are not to be out there participating in a demonic activity. There's a two-hour explanation for this. It's really worth your time. I put it out as a podcast as well this year, so you can find it in Podcast Webville, wherever you consume your podcast. But you can also find it on the Restoring the Faith media youtube page which you have if you have a subscribe could you please do so i'm trying to grow subscribers so that then i can grow supporters if you could consider uh becoming a supporter becoming a patron become a patron of restoring the faith and i can do this more regularly this is a hobby as i told you i'm not a professional catholic i do this as a personal um outreach Okay, this is my way, one of my ways of tithing to the church because I'm not going to give another freaking dime to those rats at the USCCB. They're not going to steal my money. I'm not giving it to Peter's Pence so they can go pay off victims. So the cardinal bet you can go reappropriate that money. I'm not doing it, and you shouldn't do it either. They're going to mint a coin, a 10-year-old coin of the Pachamama idol of an idol. Of an idol! No! You know what? For me, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I will say an extra litany. I will say an extra chaplet of the holy face to try to repair the blasphemies and profanations that those sick bastards who are minting that coin in the Vatican have done to our Lord. So what do you say, Molly, to those who call Catholics who are opposed to Halloween Protestant Puritans? I say they're misguided, wrong, stupid, and prideful. These are people who have been in the traditional movement, so-called, for long enough to know better, and they think that they themselves define traditionalism. But what happens when you become traditional, so often what happens is you become the measuring stick of tradition. You say to yourself, I am what it means to be a traditional, faithful, orthodox Catholic. Anybody to my right is an extremist. Anybody to my left is a modernist. I am the measuring stick. And you appropriate tradition to unto yourself. And then you contort it and twist it and abuse it to justify your disordered passions. What we need to be doing... Is assenting to the standard. We assent to the standard of traditionalism. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a huge difference here. You say I have problems. I have I have uh, imperfections. I have errors in my soul. I have I'm infected with modernism. All of us are. I am infected with feminism. All of us are, especially you, ladies. And what I need to do is systematically root those things out of my soul and assent to the gold standard of traditionalism that's what I need to do and if you're not doing that and if you're holding yourself out as the standard and if you're twisting tradition to suit your disordered passions then you're just wrong and if this applies to you then I'm sorry it's just true Mark Becker when do you think the next shutdown will start? I think soon it's already hit a quarter of the country I think that some states, especially swing states like Pennsylvania, you might see in the upper Midwest, you might even see Arizona, they might flip out and say, oh my gosh, Trump's going to win. We need to lock down. If we, should, if we can shut down, maybe Trump will win. We'll lose. So I think some of it's election driven and some of it is driven by something much greater than this whole right-left dichotomy that I'm trying to get everybody out of. Pamela, I'm from New Mexico. So far, we still have the church doors open. Praise be to God. Go to Mass for every single day, Pam, that you can. Because I'm not sure how long that will be. Rosie was curious. If you had read Father Dave Nix's Imagining of Christ Visiting the USCCB on Padre... Oh, I can't read it. I can't read it. Peregrino. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm a fan of Father Dave Nix. I've I've corresponded with him on Twitter. Incidentally, I have his cell phone, and I've never texted him. I, don't, I can't remember how I got his cell phone number. I, sh- I need to text him. I'd love to have him on RTF. If you think I should have him on RTF, let me know. Give me a thumbs up. Like this video, by the way. Subscribe. And uh, maybe we can have Father Dave Nix on. That'd be great. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, census Fidelium, Steve Cunningham. I'm the humblest man I know. <laughs> You know, that actually might be true. I know he's saying it in jest, but I think that actually might be true. I think Steve is one of the more humble men that I know. Because what is humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's, it's assenting to the objective reality of yourself. It's not saying, let's say you have a gift for music. It's not saying, oh, I, I have no ear. I'm not good at music. That's not humility. That's false humility. Humility. Actual humility would just, would be to say that, yes, God gave me the gift of music. I have a good ear for music. I should use it in giving him glory. That's what actual humility is. Steve Cunningham at Senses Fidelium does have actual humility. He knows exactly what his saving life is. He has dedicated his life to serving Almighty God with that glorious and um, and and sometimes infamous channel, sense of Fidelium. You should subscribe to it. You know, I'm actually on a show. He lets me do some stuff on his show, (laughs) on his channel. This is borderline, borderline negligent on his part. Every Friday we do the rundown. If you don't know, I'm one of the four participants, the Fab Four, on the rundown on Census Fidelium. So if you subscribe to Census Fidelium, you'll get the updates for that as well. Click the bell so you get uh, uh, the updates. Okay, BT asks, if you think the Mass is still being shut down due to the sacrilegious, especially with the new Mass? Okay, look, I think that our Lord gives us messages and warning signs, okay? So let's start with last middle of last year. What did our Lord do? Uh, There was a fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. There was a fire in the eldest daughter of the church, in the crown jewel of that glorious empire. There was a fire in Notre Dame, and the roof collapsed in some places. And what was destroyed in Notre Dame Cathedral more than a year ago? Well, it was that floating table that some people called an altar but had no altar stone. was oriented the wrong way. Orient means east, to face east. That's why they're called orientals in the east because it's in the east. It's it's an ecclesiastical word. To orient something means to face it east. Is the church oriented means is the church facing east? The altar must face east. This altar was not facing east. It was facing west. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. Nobody can explain it to me. But that altar was destroyed in Notre Dame. The high altar that is oriented, that is facing east, was intact. Almighty God speaks to us in history. He speaks to us in signs and wonders. He destroyed the table in Notre Dame and he preserved the high altar. A year later, he destroyed the Novus Ordo. What do you think will happen after that? What do you think will happen? Time is running out. Okay. Uh, Rad uh, Radcandy45 asks, if you're familiar with Stan Fortuna, any comments? If so, I, I already answered this question, Jordan. Come on. You got to keep up, buddy. Imagine you're standing on judgment day after battering down a church door open. Mark Becker. That's a great meditation. Think about that. What can you offer to Almighty God. What can you offer him? Let's say you don't have any sons and you have no stoles of priests to offer him. When Almighty God says, what did you do for me? And you can't hand him a stole from your son who's a priest. You can't hand him a habit from your daughter who's a nun. You can hand him a battering ram and you can say, I did what I could to open your church so that pleasing sacrifice could be rendered to you, O Lord. um okay let's see catholic france margaret mary young yes 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 good good uh cognitive dissidents. Mossad isn't god let's not blaspheme i don't know what you're talking about sorry maybe i'm not keeping up with that comment jordan uh gives me red candy ask if you think the pope will be forced to step down i hope not i hope not now this is a contrarian view Especially for Orthodox Catholics, for conservatives, for traditionalists, whatever camp you are, if you're a John Paul Catholic, if you're a rad trad, wherever you are in the spectrum, Society of St. Pius X, whatever. I hope that Pope Francis does not resign. I hope that he does not resign. Why? If you have two popes in a row that resign, suddenly that becomes tradition then the papacy will be relegated to something like a prime ministership. You serve for a period of time at the pleasure of whomever your masters are, be it the banksters, the Jews, the Freemasons, the modernists, the liberals, the Democrats, the Antifa, the 1%, the Black Lives Matter, the communists, all the buzzwords. You serve at their pleasure, and when you no longer please them, then you step down. That will be the thing going forward, and that is not how it's supposed to be. The church is a monarchy. Not all monarchies are blessed with good and holy kings. But you know what? We are given the ecclesiastical leaders that we deserve. Father Rebecca says that very clearly, and I agree with that. I... I am part of the reason why we have what we have today. I am. I'm part of the reason why Almighty God canceled the Novus Ordo. I am part of the reason why we are going through this present chastisement. I am. I am. Because even though I know, and you know that I know. I make videos about it, for goodness sakes. Even though I know that we are in a chastisement, even though I know that the solution is prayer, penance, sacrifice, almsgiving. I am negligent. I have missed family rosaries, not only for restoring the faith, but for other things. I have missed daily masses that I intended to attend. I have blasphemed our Lord. I have, I have, um, I have profaned Sundays. I've done work on Sundays that I shouldn't do. You know, it turns out that our Lord takes the first three commandments pretty darn seriously. He does. You and I care about the other commandments because they relate to us, the justice between man, so-called rights of man. But the rights of God are precedent to the rights of man. And I am the reason, even in a chastisement, in a lockdown, when I know better. I have allowed my wife graciously to lead the family rosary with the children. I've said my rosary separately, maybe. So no, I hope that Pope Francis doesn't step down. He's the leader that I deserve. He's the Pope that I deserve. And if we're being honest, maybe I'm not the one, the only one. Maybe some of us who are watching this, if we look and examine ourselves, we can say, yeah. Yeah. He's the one I deserve too. Um... Domini Fiat Mihi How do we respond if our priest explicitly asks us not to have processions? How do we respectfully disobey? Uh, well, the world needs more processions. The world needs more processions. I did an interview with a man down in, in uh, Atlanta, Justin Haggerty, who led the procession of hearts back when the church was closed. He's leading another procession. Hopefully, some ecclesiastics show up. Hopefully, some clerics arrive. Hopefully, the Blessed Sacrament is present. This procession is on November 1st, All Saints Day. I wish I could be there. He invited me. I almost came, actually. But I have to drive down to Atlanta like two weeks later for a wedding, so I'm not going down there twice. Do what he did. Do what he did. Assemble your battering ram and batter down the walls. These corrupt bishops, these faithless, spineless bishops who are naturalists, who believe in science, who do not believe in the Catholic Church, they're your enemy right now. They're your enemy right now. And, and guys, I, I have to say this. In terms of history, you can you can ask any of the guys who are out there on YouTube who know history better than I. In that respect in terms of most of the bishops being corrupt, faithless goobers, this is not like an unprecedented time in the church. It's really not. When St. Robert Bellarmine walked the planet, he was one of the only faithful bishops in the whole conference in England. St. Charles Borromeo was one of the only faithful bishops in all of Europe. So, in some senses, this present crisis is unprecedented, and I agree with that. It really is. This, this may be the end. I don't know. But in that particular sense, where there's only a few, there's Strickland, maybe some others. It's not like we haven't gone through this before, so it's time for the lady to stand up, man up, get your battering rams ready. Do what needs to be done. And if it takes a little bit of violence, good. Good. Ah, Okay. Pamela, I totally agree. I am responsible for this chastisement. I have offended my Lord. Amen. You and I both. You and I both have done that. Matt D. asks... What's your favorite devotion to grow intimately with God? Second question. Should Catholics limit the amount of news we consume? Finally, any comments on democracy in general? Okay, that's a lot, Matt D. Um, I'll give you brief answers. If you want to email me later, restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. Happy to do so. I respond to every single email. Ask anybody who's ever emailed me. I respond to every single email. Do you think other Catholic commentators do that? Do you think other, the, the, the pro-Catholics do that? I have my doubts. Probably they have higher volume. That's probably why. But I do this because I love you and I love God and I love the church. That's why I do this. Okay, first question. Favorite devotion or growing intimacy with God? Hello. Holy face. Holy face devotion. That's the one. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Um, I've got videos about that. You can check that out. Second question. Should Catholics limit the amount of news we consume? Well, it depends on your state in life. That's my opinion it's okay, my opinion. Um, if you're a wife and mother, yes, you should limit what you're watching. You Your duty is inside the home. You need to nourish the faith of your children. That's the purpose of marriage. That's your vocation in life. Period. End of story. Get off of Twitter. I see all these young women who are married on Twitter. I'm like, what are you doing? Get off. I'm not trying to be sexist here. Okay. I'm trying to be fraternal. If you're on Twitter, then your toddler's getting into something. If you're on Twitter, then you're not preparing a home cooked meal for your kids. All right, get off. Get off. I'm sorry. That's not, your co- That's not your place. If you're the husband, provider, protector of your family, yes, you have to be abreast of the news. You have to. You can go to the excess in anything, the virtue always lies in the mean. There is always the excess or the shortcoming of any virtue or vice, right? So take the virtue of courage. The virtue of courage is a sub-virtue of the cardinal virtue of fortitude. But if you take courage to the excess, that's called foolhardiness or vain glory. But if you don't have enough courage, the inverse of courage is cowardice. So you can take anything to the extreme, and it's bad. Anything taken to an extreme is bad, except supernatural charity for God, religion. It's not, it's not possible to be an extremist for God. All the saints were. So can you consume too much news? Yes. Can you consume too little news? Yes. Don't get scrupulous about it. Consume what you need to. Be abreast of the situation. Know when and where the communists are going to strike so that you are abreast and can prepare to defend your family. If you're idly scrolling and commenting and participating, then to the detriment of your ability to provide for your family or out of curiosity, or if it's creating undue anxiety, then you're doing it too much. It's as simple as that. Finally, any comments on democracy in general? Yeah, democracy is stupid. Look at what we have. We have a real estate developer turned a celebrity apprentice versus a guy who's been in government for 50 years and now says, now I'm going to fix it. Now. We have two 75-year-old white men running for president of the United States. That doesn't tell you how stupid democracy is, and I don't know what happened. Chris Lopez. Mike, what happened to your partner, your co-host? Joseph had a uh, a newborn, a new car, a new job, and a new house. And RTF was just too much at the time. I hope he comes back. I pray for him every day. I love Joseph. He's one of my best friends. Hope to see him soon. Um, let's see. Jordan. Rose Zingelman RTF is on just about every social media platform, but he's most active on Facebook, on Twitter. Yes, that's true. I hope that's helpful. I am most active on Facebook. We got 16,000 uh, likes on Facebook. I don't know why, but that's a beautiful thing. Put a lot of memes on Facebook. I put out some content on Facebook that's not on YouTube. So if you happen to be on Facebook, check it. Check us out, Restoring the Faith. Uh, Margaret Mary Young, being single, I limit TV and try daily to give much time to God. Well, you are the best, Margaret Mary. I don't know what to say. You're just the best. Um, what's your thoughts on Amy Cohen Barrett? Thanks. Well, Rad Candy, Red Candy 45, I invite you to actually check out the first part of this video where I talked about her Americanist leanings and the fact that she's willing to compromise. She's willing to compromise her Catholic faith for a judiciary appointment. I mean, that's basically all you need to know about her. You combine that with something I said earlier to the women on Twitter, what they need to be doing. Maybe you can put together what my actual thoughts are on a C B. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Mark Becker says RTF should be on TikTok. This is the second time you said that. This is the second time you made me laugh. I I don't even know what TikTok is, Mark. I think Trump's gonna ban it. I think, right? It's like owned by the Chinese, and I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. No, this is this is like a hobby. I don't have time for TikTok. I barely have time to do this. I'm down to like two shows a week at this point. I wish I could be with you guys every single day. That would be awesome, but I just can't. Um, Boss HM. And Cecilia are curious about the plans and what to do if masses are closed in their local areas. Hearing rumors that even SSPX churches are being closed, you know, I'm hearing those same rumors. Um, here's the thing: the the SSPX uh, parishes went during the first lockdown were were very much hit or miss. Some of them closed, some of them stayed open, some of them did like this kind of weird thing where they were kind of sometimes open sometimes close some of them were doing like you know you can only have 10 and you have to sign up and you have to like be the first person to register or be the 10 people that can show up but each priest is going to offer three masses a day and because they usually have like multiple priests at each location now you're talking six seven eight nine ten masses in a day at a so you know uh which which could serve if you're you know it's 10 masses by 10 people it's but some of them just closed down. I saw Father Nix tweeted, Father Dave Nix tweeted that the Society Church in Los Angeles in Arcadia, California, Our Lady of the Angels is closing as a result of the shutdown in Los Angeles and California. This is by the way um, that same priest, Father Burfitt, is suing Governor Newsom. He's suing the state of California to open the churches. He's using religious freedom against Governor Newsom. He probably will prevail long after COVID-1984 hysteria is passed, but he's one of the only people who's willing to spend money on a litigator to open the churches. So I give him props for that. But unfortunately, the sad news is that I saw, according to Dave Nix, father, um, that it is closing. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. Some of them are closing. Some of them are opening. Um, there's a new district superior in the Society of St. Pius X. This year, it's an American, not a European. I think that that's, in, that's important because, you know, as a, it, I say what you will, but Europeans tend to comply with what the government says to do. It's, that's just kind of how they are. That's their nature. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because Europeans very much grew up in Christendom where you had good governments, where you had Catholic monarchs, Um, so it was virtuous and good to obey the king and pray long live the king. Um, that instinct is not necessarily a bad instinct. It's misguided today when we're talking about socialist regimes like the United States, like other, other regimes around the world. Um, so we, you know, the society of St. Pius X did have a European in charge as the district superior for the last six or seven years, his term expired. And now there's an American in I don't know what that means. I don't know if the society is going to carte blanche uh, defy the COVID lockdown. The very first data point that we have is Los Angeles, our lady of the angels and they have caved. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know. Don't know the answer to that question. Want to support traditionalism priests with the FSSP and SSPX who compromise, shut down, and muzzle holy priests, what do you do? This is from Daniel. Um, I think that it is priest by priest, and you have obviously figured that out. Um, you figure that out here in, in Restoring the Faith land. I've talked about good priests. I've talked about bad priests. I've showcased the ones that are good, that are standing up for truth and justice, liberty, and the exaltation of Holy Mother Church. Um, That reminds me, I wanted to tell you just a quick thing. I wrote this this note on the back of this piece of paper, and I think I'm going to end the show on this note because I can't get to every question. I wish I could. Our Lord, our, blood, our Lord took away the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church on April twenty second, twenty twenty, precisely fifty years after April twenty second, nineteen seventy, the forced implementation of the Novus Ordo Missae. Our Lord is not going to be mocked; he is not going to be berated, and he will be taken seriously. That is the devotion of the Holy Face. We know that. I want to go back to what what is the great commission, the great commission that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to the disciples, to the apostles. The great commission was to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, to convert the world, to go to the ends of the earth. Pachamama Idol, which is now being showcased again on its one-year anniversary in Rome in the minting of those coins, 10-euro coins, Pachamama. The Pachamama Idol, oh, March 22nd. Did I say April? I meant March, March 22nd. The Pachamama Idol was brought into Rome by the German prelates who were in charge of this Amazonian synod and by the bishops in the Amazonian region of Brazil. One of those bishops is on record, ladies and gentlemen, he is on record as bragging about the fact that under his episcopacy, there have been no baptisms, no conversions, No confirmations. Go back to the Great Commission. Our Lord tells the apostles to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what he tells them to do. That's what he tells them to do. And this bishop successor of the apostles. Our Lord breathed on these men, gave them the power to forgive sins, taught them the liturgy. They laid their hands in apostolic succession upon their replacement. And this man is bragging about no baptisms. No conversions, no confirmations in 50 years. At the end of low mass, we pray for the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. That's what we pray for. And on March 22nd, 2020, Almighty God in his mercy deprived us of the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. It was an act of mercy because this wicked sect within the Catholic Church, this wicked religion, pseudo-religion, the manifesto of which is tutti-frutti, this wicked brood of vipers, that disbelieve in the Gospels, that refuse to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. They had to be stopped. They had to be stopped, and God, in His mercy and in His justice, stopped them. Pray, fast, and alms give, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't know what the future holds We are in for it. I want you to know this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for watching. Next week I can finally unveil what I have been holding on to for months. You're not going to agree with me. Maybe it's going to be very unpopular. But I think it needs to be said. God bless you. Thank you so much. Take care.